The enemy would love for us to be distracted and defeated by personal mistakes. The fact is that even those who faithfully follow the Lord will make mistakes, because we are all human. Yet God wants us to learn from our mistakes in order to grow in our relationship with Him and to have a more personal godly influence on others. In a similar way that a person grows and matures physically, a believer in Christ Jesus grows and matures spiritually in their relationship with Him. Maturity is a process, a process of studying God's Word and putting His truth into practice. As you may have experienced, it's often easier to study God's Word than it is to put God's principles into practice. The process reminds me of when I wanted to learn to drive a car. I studied and studied in preparation for taking the written driver's test, but there would also be a practical driver's exam where I would need to prove to an instructor that I could actually drive a car, putting into practice what I had been learning from a book. A high score on the written exam alone would not make me a proficient driver. Learning to drive well would require practice and experience. I have driven long enough now that it's second nature to me, but along the way, I've certainly made mistakes. Some of them were costly, but no one is a perfect driver, and I learned from those experiences, so hopefully I will not make the same mistakes again. I also remember when I first responded to God's invitation in my life to follow Him and how much I wanted to live for Him and please Him. I began to truly study God's Word rather than merely read it occasionally. And even though I was growing in my knowledge of the Bible, I also recognized that learning to walk by faith was going to require practice and experience. I've been walking with the Lord long enough now that His nature has greater authority and control in my life. Along the way in my spiritual journey, I've made a lot of mistakes, and some of them have been costly. But I've also continued to learn from my experiences, so hopefully I won't make the same mistakes again. Even in our most sincere pursuit of righteousness, we are each human and will make mistakes. The enemy would love for us to become discouraged and defeated in our spiritual walk. He will tempt us in any way to derail our persistence and our progress. Yet God knows our hearts. He knows our sincerity in pursuing His righteousness and understands that part of the learning process is learning from our mistakes. After all, mistakes in judgment or missteps in behavior are not nearly as significant as the necessity to learn from them. Psalm 25, 8-9 says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. In contrast to Satan, God will never set us up to fail. The Holy Spirit works patiently within us to correct misguided thinking and behavior, enabling us to grow spiritually through personal mistakes. Exodus 34, 6-7 reminds us that the Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. He abounds in love, faithfulness, and forgiveness. Rather than becoming discouraged or defeated when we make mistakes, 
Jesus wants us to embrace them as opportunities for learning and training. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. God's discipline is not punishment. It is correction and instruction to promote greater godliness in our lives. But our human nature, it dislikes being wrong. Our flesh wants to avoid correction. However, the Lord wants us to understand that the source of His correction is His enormous love for us. God loves us far too much to leave us in a state of wrong thinking or wrongdoing. Therefore, when we're convicted of sin, it should serve as a reminder to us of God's love and that we are His children. How precious it is that our Lord Jesus would care so deeply for our well-being that He would lovingly correct us. As a result, we should embrace rather than despise or reject God's discipline and learn from experience. We're going to use many of the lessons today that we've learned from past episodes and apply them here to help us learn from our mistakes. You may want to refer to the illustration, Learn from Experience, which can be found in this episode's outline. We've learned that regardless of the situation or circumstance, God wants our lives to glorify Him. In other words, glorifying God should be our desired outcome or the result in each of life's scenarios. If a personal behavior draws us closer to Christ and honors Him, then it pleases God and is desirable. However, if a behavior fails to reflect Christ's nature or His Word, then it should be considered undesirable. Why? Because if a result fails to sound like Christ or look like Him, it simply fails to glorify Him. We know that whether or not we evaluate our thoughts, they occur prior to action. And between thinking and choosing to act, we continually encounter temptations. Our thought process determines our actions. In other words, our actions are based on how we think. That means that when our actions or behaviors miss the mark of honoring the Lord, it is often the result of investing in incorrect thinking. So in order to learn from experience, we must first identify and acknowledge a particular undesired outcome. However, keep in mind that merely learning to recognize and acknowledge undesired behavior is not enough to correct it. We must further evaluate our thought process to determine the point of error in thinking. This requires looking back to re-examine actions and thought processes while asking the Holy Spirit to reveal any point where we might have invested in incorrect thinking or information that led to undesired outcome. It can also be helpful to use questions that promote spiritually discerning thought to identify possible points of temptation and moments of decision. For example, did I invest in my limited perception of the situation rather than view it from God's perspective? Did I allow what others were saying about my circumstance to influence my thinking? Did I truly seek God's will in the matter, or did I solicit the opinion of others? Did I act on information God revealed to me through His Word and prayer, 
or did I invest in information from another source? Lamentations 340 says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. We often err not by taking giant leaps, but merely through simple missteps. That's why it's important to retrace each step in our thought process to realign it with the Lord's. Once we identify the point of error, we can then learn from it by correcting thinking and behavior patterns, preventing future error. So let's practice identifying an undesired outcome and ways to learn from experience by using a scenario from Scripture. The night before Jesus was crucified, the disciples were eating together. During the evening, Jesus warned that Simon Peter would deny him. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Notice that Jesus was telling Peter that the enemy is very real and a threat to our faith. Jesus is continually interceding in prayer to God the Father on our behalf, and Jesus alone knows our hearts. Even though Peter would deny Jesus, Jesus also knew that Peter would turn back to him and encourage others in their faith. Their conversation continues in Luke 22, 33-34, where Peter replied to Jesus by saying this, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Within a few short hours, the chief priests, officers of the temple guard, and elders came to arrest Jesus. Luke 22, 54-62 tells us, Then seizing him, They led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. If Peter had been in the right, he would not have wept bitterly with remorse. Denying Jesus was in contradiction to Peter's claim to stand by Jesus, even if it meant prison and death. Obviously, a person who denies knowing Jesus is dishonoring rather than honoring the Lord, making the outcome of this situation undesirable. So what happened to Peter? How did he go from promising to die for the cause of Christ to denying him not once, but three times? 
We can learn from Peter's experience the same way we can learn from our own, by looking back to re-examine our actions and thought process to identify any point where we may have invested in incorrect thinking or information that led to the undesired outcome. Of course, we can't read Peter's mind to know his thought process, but Scripture does reveal choices Peter made that we can certainly identify with. In verse 31, Jesus repeated Simon Peter's name, which should have served as an indication to Peter that Jesus wanted his attention and that what Jesus was about to say to Peter was important. Was Simon Peter not listening? Did he not fully grasp what Jesus was saying? If Peter had received Jesus' warning, wouldn't his response have been more humble and sober-minded? Rather than heed the warning, Simon was zealous in his response. Scripture provides evidence that Peter often demonstrated zeal for the Lord. But even well-intentioned zeal can tempt us to become prideful in asserting ourselves. Proverbs 16.18 tells us that pride goes before destruction. Peter learned the important lesson that temptation is powerful, and he learned that the warnings of our Lord Jesus should be seriously taken to heart. Luke 22.54 tells us that when they took Jesus away, Peter followed at a distance. Why did he follow at a distance? What about us? We typically put what we feel is a safe distance between ourselves and another person or another situation when we are curious enough to want to observe to see what happens, but we don't want to participate. Prior to this time, Jesus had told his disciples what would take place, how he would be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, how he would be condemned to death, mocked, flogged, and eventually crucified. And now Peter was watching it come to pass. What might have caused Peter to answer in a way that denied his relationship with Jesus? Fear? Doubt? Unbelief? His answer certainly failed to demonstrate the enormous courage to stand for Christ that he earlier professed to have. Peter learned, as we should, that our spiritual struggle is often between who we want to be and the realization of who we truly are. None of us know what we're truly capable of until our faith is tested. The Bible tells us in Luke 22.60 that as Peter was denying Jesus for the third time, the rooster crowed, exactly as Jesus had predicted. Then the Lord looked straight at Peter. And in that moment, Peter remembered Jesus' words. How helpful it would have been to Peter if he had taken heed to Jesus' words when they were first spoken. Yet the personal regret and remorse for Peter's actions would serve as a strong motivator in his future. There are lots of lessons to be learned when we take the time to reflect on life experiences. One of the greatest lessons we can learn is that God is never finished teaching us and transforming us to look more and more like Him. So let's look at another situation from Peter's life that demonstrates that Peter had learned from his previous experience. John 21, 1-7 tells us, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, 
and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. Peter wanted to be near Jesus, and he wasted no time getting as close to the Lord as fast as he possibly could. The story continues with verses 8 and 9. It says the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. In verses 12 through 17, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Isn't it amazing how merciful, compassionate, and loving Jesus is? He didn't ask Peter, why did you betray me? Or why did you not keep your promise? He knew Peter's heart. Jesus knew that Peter truly loved him, and therefore he knew the answer to the question he was asking. Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. In the same way that Peter was asked three questions that led to his denial of Christ, Jesus used the three questions asked of Peter in these verses to demonstrate Peter's restored relationship with the Lord and service to him. Publicly denying Christ may seem like a serious issue, not only for Peter, but also for the other people who could potentially be stumbled by Peter's actions. Yet, if we were to consider our thoughts and actions that oppose Christ, They may appear to us like small, insignificant issues. The truth is that each time our thoughts or actions oppose the Lord, we too deny Christ's presence, authority, and power in our lives. For example, do you experience situations that result in you becoming anxious or fearful? Are you in a relationship in which you are withholding forgiveness? Are there circumstances in your life that result in you asserting your own way rather than following God's will? The key to correcting these issues is to first become spiritually sensitive 
to recognizing undesired outcomes, and then to be honest in acknowledging them. Then take the time necessary to look back on each situation or circumstance to evaluate points of error. Remember, spiritual error occurs each time we give into temptation to think or act contrary to truth. Once you've identified your personal weakness in specific temptations, ask the Lord to teach you to recognize future temptations and to guard your heart and mind from giving in to them. In discipling others, help them to recognize desirable and undesirable outcomes from life situations. Affirm others when they demonstrate godly thinking and Christ-like behavior. When their thinking, decision-making, or actions fail to reflect Christ, help them to learn from the experience. For example, let's presume that the person you are discipling has become terribly worried as a result of a situation they are facing. Since worry denies the power of God and our trust in Him, it is an undesired outcome. After identifying worry as an undesired outcome, you can then help the person you are discipling by asking them to begin tracing both their actions and thought process backwards. While doing so, encourage them to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any time they may have invested in incorrect information. Also encourage them to ask questions that will promote spiritually discerning thought patterns. For example, did I see my circumstance and choose to rely on my limited perception of the situation rather than trust in what God could do? Did I focus on my inadequacies rather than the power of Almighty God? Did I allow what others were saying about the situation to affect my way of thinking? In addition to pinpointing specific temptations, it can also be helpful to train others to review situations to determine whether they may have missed avenues of escape or God's provision of a way out of temptation. You may even want a reference for them, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. So using the same example of the person becoming worried, maybe they allowed a friend to tempt them with worrisome words. Perhaps the Holy Spirit reminded them to meditate on His promises, but instead they invested in idle, anxious thinking. Through awareness and reliance on the Holy Spirit's power, we can become proactive in guarding against future similar temptations, thereby learning from experience. Once a person has identified their personal weakness in specific temptations, they can then ask the Lord to enable them to recognize future temptations and to guard their hearts and minds against giving in to them. As you make disciples, you may find that people who are sincere in pursuing righteousness are sometimes hard on themselves when they make mistakes. It's also difficult for some people to receive God's forgiveness. Yet it is necessary in order for them to mature in their walk with the Lord. Hebrews 12.11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Lovingly remind others that training in righteousness is a process that includes learning from mistakes. Proverbs 10.17 says, Whoever heeds discipline shows the way of life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. 
as you help those you disciple to find the cause of their undesired outcomes, be quick to praise their willingness to correct mistakes and to learn from experience. Set an example for them of one who humbly admits to wrong, quickly repents, and learns from your mistakes. How wonderful it is for each of us to look back on our spiritual journey to rejoice in seeing how far Christ has brought us and to give thanks for His mercy and patience as we continually learn from our past experiences. Are you wanting to overlook your mistakes and quickly forget them? Or are you willing to take the necessary time to learn from mistakes in order to grow in your faith and relationship with Christ Jesus? If you allow Him, God will enable you to learn to depend more on Him through each experience. As a result, you will grow in godliness and God will get the glory.